Hello, this is Reverend Judith Laxer. Thank you for listening to the podcast of our service entitled The Wisdom of the Crone. Wherever you are tuning in from all over the globe, I'm so glad you're here. My wish is that the food for thought offered brings great nourishment for your soul. Our ministry for the goddess is supported solely by those who, like you, partake of its teachings. If you feel served by listening, please push the donate button on our website, www.gaiastemple.org, and give generously. We'd be most grateful. Thank you, and blessed be. All right. I always think of this time of the year as the crone time of the year. The year is getting older, and so is she. So as you probably guessed by now, we worship the goddess and all of her emanations and manifestations in Gaia's temple. And she has many and varied manifestations. I think that can be part of what's so confusing, I think, and disconcerting about goddess worship for those who are used to monotheism, because she's known by 10,000 names in cultures all over the world. And in the big picture, she is Mother Earth herself, she whom the Greeks called Gaia, hence our name Gaia's temple. And she's also known as a triple goddess, as maiden, mother, and crone. Now, in our more recent history, we have added the title queen in there between mother and crone, which I'm going to talk about a little bit later. But this triple aspect of who she is is at the root of the magic of the number three, for those of you who are into us. Uh, numerology like I am. Three is the number of manifestation. We might think of the numbers one and two as the mama and the papa, and then three is the, the, the result of their union, the manifestation of their union, we might say. She is this triple goddess because she is spirit made manifest. And this triple aspect of the goddess is in direct relation to our aliveness, the fact that we are alive which is a result, or a manifestation, we might say, of what comes down to us, heartbeat by heartbeat, in our bloodlines. It is the blood of the ancients that flows through our veins and the forms pass, but the circle of life remains. That's the chant we use at our Samhain ritual. It's so true. Every word of that chant is absolutely true. These are indeed the greatest of mysteries because birth and death are the thresholds into and out of this life which are the greatest mysteries we will ever encounter. Our brains were not developed enough to remember our birth, though the experience of that, at least consciously anyway, is, uh, remains a mystery. And of course, until we die, our death too remains a mystery. The mystery of life and death is that they are thresholds into something else, something that will come after. But we just don't know for certain what that is. You know, a while back I took a course uh, through a Buddhist organization, and they, uh, they were teaching about the afterlife from a million and one different, well, not a million and one, but many different religions. And, and it, it almost didn't matter what religion you were a part of. The afterlife, whether you thought it was sitting at the right hand of Jesus, or you're going to heaven, or you're going to hell, you're going to purgatory, you're in the bardo, you're... In every religion, there's something that happens after. So that's that great mystery, because we don't really know what that is. We just know we're going to encounter it, but we don't know exactly what it is. 
I don't know about you, but I am planning on munching some sweet apples in Avalon from the trees that grow in that orchard. I plan to cast copious amounts of magic and ritual and ceremony. I plan to follow at least one turn of the wheel, discarnate, so I can rest and restore. And then I plan to figure out what comes next once I'm there. Like I, I, you know, I think, oh, my next life, I like, you know, my next life is like, it, it, it's several emanations from now. I'm just going to try to do the best I can while I'm here and set myself up well for whatever that mystery brings. But I digress. Back to the triple goddess. She who is maiden, mother, and crone. So as the maiden, she is the manifestation of the union that precedes her. She is the vitality of youth with all its vigor and wonder and enthusiasm. There is a purity and innocence there in the maiden aspect of the goddess, which doesn't mean that she's clueless or unaware or stupid, but innocence, innocent, as in lack of experience. If you are an adult who has ever made love, think back to who you were before you ever made love. And I bet you can find what was innocent about you, no matter how savvy you were at the time up here. There is an innocence there when we are gathering experience for the first time, and that's what the maiden is doing. The maiden possesses the strength and the vitality of youth. Artemis and Athena, Bridget and Persephone, all maiden goddesses, they are exuberant in their power and in their prowess. They are strong, energized, fully present. Their capacity to endure and be resilient is formidable. They are strong, energized, fully present, their capacity, I said that already, um, and their capacity to endure and be resilient is formidable. It is true. I'll say it again. They use their intellect and energy to protect, to safeguard, to strategize, to heal, to inspire, and to witness the maiden's powers uh, are powerful as she gathers experiences, and they all form who she will become. Now, the mother phase of the goddess begins at the rite of passage of menarche. She transforms from a child into a woman. Now the blood of life that collects in her womb when not nurturing and growing life leaves the holy temple of her body. Life would not continue without this blood. It is the blood of life itself the lineage that flows in our veins. This cycle of potential life-giving is a powerful rhythm. The mother aspect of the goddess is infused with power, with beauty and allure, with sensuality and strength. The goddess as mother is the great multitasker with an expanded capacity to care and to care for to manage and handle, to choose and act. This fertile experience that she has gives rise to empathy, relatedness, tenderness, ferocity, and a very deep well of love. The crone enters at the rite of passage of menopause. And I want to speak to the queen archetype here as well for just a moment. So as we know, goddess worship is ancient, like really, really ancient. And in ancient times, as far as we know, humans weren't living as long as we live now in the present time. Just a few generations ago, living into one's 60s was considered old age. Now it's the new 40s, only with Medicare. 
Uh, in more recent years, however, with the emergence of the goddess after centuries of obscurity and with women living longer, many women didn't relate to the word crone simply because their bodies have ceased to be fertile with the sensation, cessation of their monthly bleeding. The word crone took on the meaning of an ugly old woman who was either useless, mean-spirited, or evil which is just such an interesting thing, how we equate that when something we consider ugly, we consider it bad, which is just ridiculous. And also it makes us think about who and how and what decides what's beautiful and what isn't. I mean, if in our world, having yellow teeth was considered a sign of beauty, we would be spending money to stain our teeth instead of spending money to bleach them. Who decides these things? Right? But anyway, so there was an argument uh, in the goddess movement uh, about women being postmenopausal being called crones because we didn't feel like old crones as they were depicted in our culture. And there was an argument against being defined only by our biology, which is very interesting because now many of those same women are arguing for biology. But again, I digress. Truth is, many women feel more personally and um, personally powerful at and post-menopause than in youth, because now the fertility of the goddess becomes wisdom, the wisdom of lived experience, which, my friends, is very powerful. So the queen phase of the goddess was added because with longevity increasing and this part of a woman's life being so vital and powerful, it was felt necessary. But the truth is that each aspect of the triple goddess, maiden, mother, and crone, comprises a spectrum of development. Uh, for example, a baby girl is very different than the seven-year-old she will become and even more different than the 11 or 12-year-old she will become, and yet all Part of that is considered maiden. And the young teen who just came of age is very different from the woman she'll become in her 20s and 30s and 40s, and even more different than when she reaches the threshold to menopause, and yet that entire part is considered mother. The adult woman who crosses the threshold at menopause is very different than the elder that she's going to become in her 50s and 60s and 70s, and even more different than she'll be in her 80s and 90s and into another century. Yet we consider every part of that phase the crone. So there's a huge spectrum. We can expand that understanding a little bit. And so while I relish the queen phase that I still consider myself in, I recognize it as part of my crondom, you know. So the crone phase of the triple goddess is infused with wisdom and humor, acceptance, generosity, and grace. The crone bestows her blessings upon us, and those blessings are filled with compassion and comfort, and those blessings are hard truths also. Hard truths told with enough love to make them palatable with presence and courage and compassion. Remember that the word crown is derived from the word crone, a woman whose wisdom merits leadership for her people. And hopefully all those who wear a crown in leadership for their people provide it from the wisdom of the crone, whether as king or queen or by any other title. Now, we know we are living in a culture that persists in telling 
us that women are only valuable if they fit society's norms of beauty, if they are still young and fertile, and if they do most, if not all of the caretaking of men and children, if they maximize that multitasking thing, even if it means they might burn out doing so. So this is just one reason why I love the goddess so much, because she's not singular in her emanation. She is whole. She is everything. She is maiden and mother and crone. So every face of life, every phase of life is honored for the value it brings. Goddess worship teaches us that every phase of life is valuable for, the, for what it brings, not just the bloom of youth, as it were. And women who have been without feminine examples of divinity to relate to for so long find the spiritual model of divinity in the goddess who encompasses all that they are, restoring those blood mysteries of menarche and menopause and what comes before and what comes after them as holy, revering the feminine by recognizing her holiness and value in every aspect as maiden, as mother, and as crone. Now for the crone, there is a weaving that happens in the soul of elderhood. And the wise crone goddess exemplifies this weaving of lived experience, gleaned knowledge, and intuitive synthesis. She weaves it all together in a cohesive whole. The crone weaves wholeness into the world. She has nothing more to prove. She no longer feels the need to impress. And perhaps most importantly, or more than anything, she's a truth teller. All the ways we elaborate to be approved of, to make someone think better of us, the ways that we lie to protect ourselves or to manipulate a situation, all these drop away. Crones are what they are, and there's no need for pretense any longer. We welcome the crone in the act three of our lives. And by now we know that it's just pointless to lie. So Jane Fonda talks about the third phase of a woman's life as act three. In showbiz parlance, act one introduces the characters, gives some background, and sets the stage for the story that is unfolding. Act two, we are in the thick of that story. It's happening with all its creation and drama and conflict. And act three is the resolve. It may not be the very end of the story, but there's a wrap-up in Act 3, one way or another. And it is also often in Act 3 that we learn the truth so that the rest of the story makes sense. The crone is Act 3, resolve and truth-telling. We rely on our elders to model what it is to be true to themselves, to be true in the world, to tell the truth, to provide truth for us, and to speak their truth. And the domain of the crone includes, among other things, the blood mystery that occurs when our blood stops flowing at all, when our heart ceases to pump our blood, when the essential spirit of who we are leaves our mortal coil, the truth of death on the life cycle. Oh, blessed Samhain on the wheel a time to reflect on these deep and true mysteries. Now we can see why when our egos have us in fear about death and we use denial of our death as a coping mechanism to bring relief from that fear, 
the religious fear we might have been taught, fear that death will be painful, or any other kind of fear that we might be harboring about it. We're not always happy to see the crone who brings these fears sharply into focus. We're not always happy to be getting older, to feel the changes that can't be reversed, to feel our age as the years roll by. And because the crone reminds us of this threshold, our egos convince us that if we devalue the truth of her, then we can escape the truth of her, which is so unnatural and really so unhealthy. So here's the greatest truth about the greatest mystery. It's the one thing, the only thing in life that we can rely on to happen. We can make our plans and work toward our goals and be motivated by all kinds of desires, but nothing is certain in life. Nothing is certain in life except that we will leave it. And death will be the door through which we leave. And the crone knows this, and she speaks the truth about it. Everyone will die, she says, some sooner, some later, but the wheel must turn, and the life cycle will spin. We come in, we go out, we come in again. The crone is the midwife at birth and the goddess at the threshold, midwifing death. The crone is the funerary priestess, the guide across the threshold, the sacred undertaker. In this aspect, she is often called the Dark Mother. And the Dark Mother brings news of this great mystery, this certain rite of passage, in different ways. We find her truth spoken to us in our bodies as they diminish and start to break down. We hear her truth in a chilling diagnosis. We know her truth when we find we can't keep up, uh, when we find we can no longer perform a task that we used to with ease. She speaks through the voice of the next generation when they express concern about us. She speaks in the way uh, when we find that we must change how we live to accommodate limitation, when we must rely on others for things we used to do on our own. These are like the little deaths along the way, you know? Deaths of identity, death of routine, deaths of the way that it's always been. They are in a good way preparing us for the inevitable that is somewhere in our future. Now, in a moment, Oriel and Roxy are going to sing our beloved ancestor, Shauna uh, Carroll's song, Dark Mother. Now, I accompanied Shauna to Glastonbury, or as we know it, Avalon, to perform her opus, Goddess Chant, in 2002, I think it was. And it was on that trip that she felt the first unrelenting symptom of Parkinson's disease, which is what ended up taking her life just a few years ago. Her arms suddenly weakened, and she was having trouble playing her guitar. And as a guitarist, singer, songwriter, you can imagine how disturbing that was. This song is about the first visit of the Dark Mother in her life, when the Crone of Wisdom spoke the truth of this mystery to her. And so while the song is about her specific experiencing, uh, the encountering the Dark Mother, in it, we might also hear a message for each one of us. So ladies,
prone, I find you standing at the crossroads. There are choices, one, two, three. Mother, will you guide me? You ripped the guitar from my hands, threw it on the funeral pyre. Then you whisper in my ear as the flames rise higher and higher. You say, all the webs that you have spun, now it's time you are undone. At the setting of the sun, you are not the only one. Dark mother, ancient crone, I find you standing at the crossroads. There are choices, one, two, three, mother, will you guide me? You take me to the underworld Where all that's past has come to dwell A place to stop, a time to rest Some call it sleep, some call it hell You say, you have danced a rosy dance Dined on olives, dates, and figs You thought that I'd pass you by But all that's born will surely die Dark mother, ancient crone I find you standing at the crossroads There are choices, one, two, three Mother, will you guide me? Take me to my ancestors, sit me down in the sacred circle, lay their hands upon my head, I can't forget the words they said. Sit beside the waterfall, find out what the water owns, learn to listen to our call, decipher glyphs and stones and bones. Dark mother, ancient crone, I find you standing at the crossroads. There are choices, one, two, three, mother, will you guide me? to the chalice well bid me wade in Arthur's pool there you cast a mighty spell be reborn again by be reborn again by you dark mother ancient crone I find you standing at the crossroads there are choices one two three mother will you guide me Thank you so much. So let's take a moment now, if you will, close your eyes and go within. Take another deep breath and reconnect your grounding cord that you sent down at the beginning of the service. And if you came in after, then go ahead and ground yourself now. And then bring your attention to your third eye in the center of your forehead. Imagine it like an actual eye, like your other two. Go ahead and open it up and look out through it into your imagination and find yourself walking through a corn maze on a dark night in late autumn. 
And there are very tall torches high above the tops of the corn stalks so you can see where you're going. The corn's about two feet taller than you, so it makes perfect labyrinth walls. And along the way, pumpkins are placed where the pathways branch off, indicating where you have a choice of which way you're going to go. You've been wanting to take this walking meditation for a while now, especially so close to Salin, just to stir your personal magical cauldron so close to this witchy time of year, to get the magic going for yourself, to invite the mystery of the veil between the worlds into your consciousness. So it feels good to be here, deep within this labyrinth, about 15 minutes in, encountering no one, the scent of corn and straw and damp earth everywhere. The stars shining in the sky above. The rustle of the corn stalks in the occasional autumn breeze that makes its way through the passageways. The warmth of the torches throwing light, casting shadows. Now you can see up ahead that there is a path that forks. And as you walk closer, you notice that more than just pumpkins mark this branching, an old woman sits there on a wicker chair. She's wearing a warm coat on top of her long skirt and a kerchief on her head. What you can see of her hair is gray, and her beautiful face is wrinkled and old. Her eyes, though, wow, they are knowing and loving as they look at you. And you feel as if you are standing in the presence of a loving goddess. And that is because you are. She is the crone goddess of wisdom, here with you at the center of this corn maze just a few weeks before Samhain. So as you approach, you find yourself almost instinctively wanting to bow to her. There's something regal about her, although she is not wearing finery of any kind. It's her presence, so strong and so clear. It's her eyes looking so deeply into yours. You can tell that she senses you wanted to bow to her, and a slight smile brightens her face. Now, she does not actually speak. She doesn't verbalize out loud. But you can hear her question to you as if she just spoke it out loud. She asks you, what is it that you want to know, my child? Now, you didn't expect this. So take a moment in the loving presence of the crone of wisdom and consider what you want to know. What question do you want the crone of wisdom to answer for you? Think about what that is and form that question now. Now looking back at her, you see that her eyes have never left you. You feel so safe with her, so seen and so welcome. It's intimate, it's beautiful. And you needn't speak out loud either. You can simply ask your question in your heart and she will hear it. So do so now, from your heart. Ask this beautiful, powerful crone your question. And then listen within for her answer.
Remember what she says. Replay her answer in your mind. Tell yourself what she said again. Now this crone of wisdom is beholding you with such love in this moment that you can feel it like a hug. In fact, it feels so much like one that you find yourself moving closer to her. And so she stands and she opens her arms for your embrace. Step forward into her hug. Oh, this hug, so warm, so loving, such comfort and peace it brings you. And you can sense when the hug is complete and you pull away a bit, taking in her ancient face with, her, with your eyes. And now she pulls away and she sits back on the chair, or is it her throne? Go ahead and reach into your pocket now and find the prayer bundle of herbs you brought with you as an offering. You were gonna leave it somewhere in here today anyway, an offering of gratitude for the season, an offering for your ancestors and for the magic of the corn maze. So now place it in her hands. And then you find you lean down and kiss her hands. Now you usually don't kiss hands, but this felt right. It feels so good and just so true to be with her here where the path diverges. Now you notice what must be a spider web, but looks more like a diaphanous veil that spans from side to side across the path that leads toward the west. Uh-oh, are you standing at the veil between the worlds with the crone of wisdom? This can't be your time. It's not, she utters within you. And while you feel relief at her answer, you also note how comfortable you feel here with her, how right it feels and how loving. And noticing this makes you think that when the time does come, and it will, you will remember this feeling of love and comfort and truth in the presence of the crone of wisdom, and you won't be afraid, and it will be okay. But right now you have no intention of entering through that veil, so you decide to take the path that leads toward the east, and you begin walking again only this time walking yourself right back here into this sanctuary with us. And when you feel that you have returned, gently open your eyes and come back. Remember what you asked the crone of wisdom and remember what she answered. You might even write that down when you get home or journal it. It might not make sense right now in this moment, but it might make sense in the future. In the song, Dark Mother, I love the lyric, I'll be reborn again at Yule, because it acknowledges reincarnation. And it reminds us that if we cross, cross the threshold into and out of this life, there is something over there on that side of the veil that we go to and come from. And back and forth we go. The lyric sings that truth to me, and I recognize it. That our souls are eternal, but our bodies are not. And we come into them for an earthly experience in which we learn and we grow. And then we die, and we leave again, and again, and again. You know, I speak to this one way or another every year at the October service. And I do this because 
I worship the goddess. Insert skeleton joke here. Her nature is bare bones true in this reality. We get a body and then we shed a body. I believe in karma and cause and effect, that our souls are on a trajectory of evolution, that we are here to do good and to raise the vibration of the planet and the world around us, to try to synthesize our hearts and our minds and our souls while we are in the body for a time, for the time that we are allotted here, and that our attempts at doing so are necessary for our spiritual growth. At Samhain, our ancestors look back at us from our altars. Skeletons are a popular choice in decor. And we immerse ourselves in this mystery at this time. It's a good time to look into your heart and soul about your own death and to think about it. Not in a macabre way or in a morbid fashion, not about how you'll die or when you'll die, but, but how you want to meet your death regardless of how or when. How do you want to meet your death? What do you want the condition of your soul to be at that time of transition? How do you want to be leading up to that moment? It's a good time to prepare for it by thinking about it. Now, this time of year, death on the wheel of the year to create a sort of template for your soul to live into when the time comes. Or should I say, create a template for your soul to die into? When we take the time to make peace with this deep mystery, we find motivation to take care of our business making it easier on those we leave behind, making arrangements for our estate about what's to become of our remains. The wisdom of the crone tells us to consider our legacy. And there's something about tending to these responsibilities that is so liberating, and it frees you up to live more fully, more peacefully. It's so satisfying. When I contemplate the crone in my spiritual practice, I feel relief. So just to be clear, I am not suggesting in any way that we should rush toward our death if we are not ready or we are not there. Rather, I am suggesting that embracing the truth of death on the life cycle, and that means our own death someday, actually amplifies our joy in living. This is a beautiful thread in the weave of the crone's wisdom and wholeness that acknowledging this truth with our full presence, instead of shying away from it or denying it, it serves to heighten the beauty of life while we are still here living it. It's a paradox, but it's true. What the crone weaves into wholeness is all she knows from her time as a maiden and her time as a mother and the time that she has been a crone. And what she knows is that life is ever-changing. Nothing remains the same. Life comes in and life goes out and life comes in again. She weaves the entirety of who she is, the entirety of who we are, the entirety of the life cycle into being, and it creates a beautiful tapestry of all that there is and how we are a part of all of it. We are not separate from it. We are part of that whole. We are it. We are a part of that truth. We are a part of the wisdom of nature. 
and the naturalness of life and death and life and death and life again. The crone makes sure that all of this happens exactly as it must, keeping the cycle turning. And when we turn toward the beautiful crone of wisdom and remember that she is us and we are her, we trust that when the time comes to meet her at the threshold, we will happily surrender because it's natural to do so when we get there. We'll look forward into the mystery. We'll look forward into the mystery with our spiritual eyes open and curious. Approach there with wonder, taking it all in. What's this going to be like? And we'll know that there's nothing to be afraid of. There's no boogaboo over there. That was all a bunch of lies they told us to keep us under their thumb. And most of all, we will trust that she will be there with us, guiding us on, holding us a wise presence for the transition. And when that moment comes, all we have to do is let go. Plans for you and me. 
These are the arms of the mother. She holds the key to all this mystery. And oh, I surrender, letting go of That gorgeous song was written by Susan Chyatt, who was the one who introduced our community to Shauna Carroll. They were dear, dear friends. And they're both on the other side now. So we still get to feel their beauty and their music. is a magnificent thing. As we walk the wheel, as it continues to roll forward in time, we gather the experience of everything there is. We frolic in joy, and we swoon in ecstasy, and we rage with a vengeance, and we weep in sorrow. We dream and we plan and we work hard. We win, we lose, we give and we receive, we rest and we reflect. I believe we come here to walk this wheel for our spiritual growth. And when the time is right, we surrender and step off the wheel until we are rested and integrated and we choose to come on back. The totality of this, divine, uh, of this design, I think, is just perfect. And we are a part of this perfection. If there's any part of you that thought there was anything about you that wasn't perfect, I'm here to tell you, you're part of that perfection. Why wouldn't we embrace this perfection? Why wouldn't we embrace this with our whole hearts and our minds and our souls? What better thing to surrender to than perfection? I can't think of a one. So my friends, as autumn progresses on the wane and the nights grow longer and the darkness deepens as Samhain ushers in the season of winter and the veil thins to gossamer, May we feel the loving presence of our ancestors on the other side and know the crone of wisdom who stands at the threshold. May our beloved dead remind us of the preciousness of life. 
May we embrace the wisdom of the crone for the truth that she brings, the truth that we can rely on. And if you are lucky enough to encounter an old woman, listen to and consider what she has to say, because you're in the presence of a holy crone. Blessed be.